Hey there, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers. This is your host, Tom or Robots, jumping in right at the beginning of the episode before we get into the interview. And I just wanted to make sure that you guys were aware that this is our patron episode. And we're going to talk about some really cool stuff about the Fallout TV show coming out, of course. But specifically, this is the first episode that you can gain access to all of the pre-show and post-show chat. And there's like almost an hour, 45 minutes to an hour of extra content that we didn't cut into this episode of the show. And if you would like to get access to that, then all you have to do is be a tier two or higher patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I can't even talk. And you get access. So if you're a tier one patron, if you are a not a patron at all and you would like to get access to the entire conversation including all of the silliness that happens before the show and after the show then you can do that that is available it will be up on patreon.com so i just wanted to let you know that that was out there and i hope you guys enjoy this episode All right, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers, this is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I am back with a very special patron episode. Today, we are talking about the new Fallout TV show that was announced just a few weeks ago, and our thoughts and hopes and maybe fears, some of our concerns about bringing something like this to the small screen, which is actually more important, it seems, lately than the big screen. And with me, as always, are my cast of uh, uh, wacky hijinks-fueled patrons. Is that a good title? I don't know. Um, let's go down the list, and everybody just jump in and introduce yourself so people know your voice. And let's start at the top of the list alphabetically with Firewriter. Hey, Firewriter here. Hope everyone's having a good evening. Glad to be here. I don't know how wacky and hijinky I am. Sorry. Oh, you're always wacky and hijinky. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, everybody. It's Lincoln. Uh, so I'm actually brand new to the Fallout lore cast, but you might recognize me from the Elder Scrolls lore cast. I've done some episodes there as a patron, but yeah. Yeah, you're our longest running patron. You were, you were the first one. In fact, Lincoln and I go way back. If you, if you want to go back and look up those uh, episodes... If you haven't oh, checked God, out, that show, you'll you'll hear you'll hear the just Lincoln, the Lincoln and Tom show is pretty awesome. Those are some good episodes, though. Yeah, yeah. And next, hello, Nunamar here. Same Nunamar from a different location because, uh, of course, my electricity had to go out right in the middle of the episode, so I had to uh, get in my car and drive down the road where I have reception. So if I sound a little different, that's why. Having a night. Soybean? Uh, hello, it is Soybean. Sorry, I just got confused because I didn't <laughs> see the, the mute. There we go. <laughs> um, yes, hello, it is the bean. Um, just sitting here now in Illinois. It has been a month and I have changed states. So that is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the new state. <laughs> Victor? Yep. It's me, Victor. Hopefully I will sound more coherent than I did last time because I am not freshly out of surgery, but um, a month post and healing well and not quite as doped up on pain medication. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, good. Everybody, Zem this out on the road again for another week and then I'll be back home. Sweet. 
Oh man, Grandma, it's Magic Missile. First time <laughs> on the Patreon chat. <laughs> oh man, Grandma. Hey, you know what? That's a really good reminder that um, everybody who is a tier two patron and higher will have access to the entire unedited version of this episode in which you will hear what the oh man grandma actually means by um listening to the first i don't know what 20 something almost 30 minutes of us chatting uh during the pre-show uh there's a really good comment in there about somebody with a uh, smoke coming out of their butt <laughs> saying oh man grandma anyway man nice callback um okay so this episode now i'm going to be thinking about that the whole rest of this episode um good good job with the distraction there so this episode, we're talking about the Fallout TV show. It was announced a few weeks ago, and if you didn't hear about it, then you need to look it up. There's not a ton of information yet. Uh, we did an episode on the Fallout Hub where the three of us, uh, the main hosts, me and Ken and Dave, talked about it a little bit. But it's definitely a big deal because bringing Fallout to the TV screens across America is going to be a big, big thing, especially with uh, at least bringing it to an audience that hasn't been exposed to it, maybe doesn't play video games and that kind of thing. And uh, especially for us, this this group of patrons and myself, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, the idea that we might be able to introduce family members who don't understand this thing that we're super into through a different media is going to be really, really cool. So that's one of the reasons why I think it's it's going to be really neat to think talk to dive into this in this episode today. And oh, and Aperture Flash just joined us. Aperture, how's it going? Aperture is maybe still working with the audio there. So let us know when you when you are are up and running. Just kind of pop in and say hi. Um, but let's uh, let's dive into this. I know Firewriter. I know you had some official thoughts. Official thoughts. Some uh, things that you wanted to write down and and some thoughts and hopes and dreams and concerns and stuff. Why don't you start us off? Okay. Um. So mine are like super duper specific about what I want. Um. And I'm sure everybody can guess what the first thing I want is. Hancock? So if y'all want to say it. <laughs> I was going to say ghouls, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see how they do the ghouls. Um, yeah. I want to know if they're going to be in makeup. I want to know if it's going to be CGI. Are they going to oh be uh, the squishier ghouls from earlier on? Are they going to be the drier ghouls from later on? <laughs> ghouls. So- Wet or dry? <laughs> Next time, next time I get a chance to talk with people at Bethesda, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna put that on my list of questions. So, so guys, I need to know. Ghouls, I need to know. Moist, this is so moist important ghouls. to me. Magic missile writes moist. I prefer moist ghouls. Moist ghouls. Well, I prefer the drier ones, but you know, the beef jerky is my husband likes to. I don't know. If I, I don't know if I've ever said this on here, but my husband calls Hancock my jerky husband which is just a whole thing <laughs> he's such a trooper i don't well, know how he puts up with me yeah well um, you know each relationship is unique and as long as you're both okay with that then you know that's fine <laughs> such a trooper if it makes you guys uh, but happy the other, yeah the, the other thing though that i'm i'm really excited about um mostly because of uh i saw this happen with good omens and i'm really looking forward to uh seeing it with this is all of the new people coming into the fandom and the fanfic they're going to bring with them because the good omens fanfic fandom exploded and there was so much good stuff and 
I can't wait for all of that. It's going to be so cool. I, I'm so excited about that. Uh, I do have one concern, uh, and that is Amazon connection. Mm-hmm. A, a game that is highly critical of massive corporations is being brought to life by the massivist corporation. Is that a word? <laughs> yes, massivist well, corporation yeah. of them all. And I want to know how they're going to handle that. Um, are they going to are they going to downplay that? Are they going to shy away from that? I hope they don't. Um, um, I would I would guess, and this is just me guessing, that this is they're going to handle that in very much the same way that say like The Simpsons handles being on the Fox network. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, like, except that, like the that part of Fox is different than like it is. Fox News. It is, but so, but they're on the same yeah. network. Like there is there is some there is some different there are some differences, but ultimately they are still part of the same network. Um, I, I would assume that the success of the show and any of the you know uh, subliminal or or underlying messaging of the show is really going to be based on the show itself. I don't think the network is 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 really worried that like someone's going to watch the show and go. Oh, this show is anti-large corporations. We can't have it on the net. You know, like I'm not. I'm not too worried such about an that. Irony to it. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but but kind of go, huh? If if I've learned anything <laughs> over the last few months, it's that most people are pretty resilient to to personal irony. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's let's not take that in another direction. But yeah, I understand the concern, and that that is a good question. Like, will that be shied away from? You know, uh, we don't know yet. And I mean, other than the big fear of, you know, screw it all up. That's my one, like, really specific concern. But everything else, I'm, I'm super psyched about it. And, you know, if, if it sucks, I'll have a great time uh, snarking on it. So, mm-hmm. well, anyway. Yeah. Does anybody else share any, um, any thoughts about this? Uh, we're we're going to run this a little bit differently than we normally do. We, we don't need to just run through each person. Each person doesn't necessarily need to bring their own individual presentation so much as um, let's just let, let's take these ideas that that are being thrown out there and let's just turn it into a conversation to kind of roll with it and see where this goes. Um, Victor, I see that you you've unmuted. Do you want to jump in? Yeah, uh, just kind of building, I guess, a little bit more specific on the theme of great googly moogly. It could all go to shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, one of the reasons I love Fallout so much, besides the historical connections, we already know about my love for that is how they handle complex and nuanced subjects. I mean, a good example is the factions of New Vegas. Nobody is the, the actual good guy. We only just have like an objection, an, an, like it's all objective yeah. yeah, with the Legion. And then it's also some shades of gray, depending on what your values are. Right. Um, and then, of course, talk about uh, discrimination and... Um, to a certain point, even eugenics, when you start talking about how the Institute and the Brotherhood of Steel look at things. And these are really complex topics that are incredibly nuanced and really kind of only work because we have enough time to get to know the characters who have these opinions. And my concern is that they're going to either candy coat it or ham fist it. Like they're either going to candy coat it and make it somehow a utopian dystopia like dystopian in the um, in the sense that it's post-apocalyptic, of course, but utopia as in a, well, we're all alive. We should probably try to help each other, besides raiders, of course. Um, yeah. But that's 
my biggest worries is that some of the nuanced and detailed and complex storytelling that I love Fallout for is not going to come through on a TV show. With it being on Amazon, I think we have a better chance of it than it be- being on something like ABC or whatever. But it's still a concern. Yeah. But honestly, have you? Hope- oh, Mike, go ahead. You. Go um, well, I have a question. Have you have you seen Westworld? Because it's the same uh, showrunners that come from Westworld. I have not watched Westworld. I've heard about it though, and I've heard good things. I still, I'm incredibly hesitant. I have seen my favorite intellectual properties be taken in and put on the either uh, the medium screen, I guess we could call home TVs now, or the big screen, and it just getting ripped to shreds and skinned, and I don't even recognize what they're right. putting on the screen. Right. Anymore. Well, I would I would recommend checking out at least the first season of Westworld. Um, I think one of the I think that'll help reduce some of your concerns for that because there is a lot of um, nuance. the uh, The writing in the first season of Westworld and the way they handle issues of uh, personhood, um, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but there are there are people, there are legitimate human people, and then there are what we what you can consider as synthetic people, which is a very similar theme to something that, of course, occurs in Fallout. And the way they handle that and the nuance of it and um, dealing with the humanity of it and, and those kinds of issues um, and the grayness of what some people do in relation to those in, like types of people and, and all of that, the, the, you see a variety of different reactions to that world. And um, I would I would. I don't know that that helps ease my concerns with that issue a little bit, but I'd be interested to see what you think if you were to watch the season. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I just I definitely over, have an overall hesitancy after getting excited because my favorite thing is being made into a movie or TV show, and yeah, yeah. I don't recognize it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot um, of us have have that same concern of like, well, I hope it's I hope it's good. The Oregon doesn't exist the avatar the last airbender movie doesn't exist and the artemis foul movie doesn't exist like that kind of stuff yeah i will say the one thing that does give me hope this is kind of two-pronged one it's going to be a tv show which means we're going to have more time to have longer more nuanced stories yes um and we'll be able to get to know people and we aren't having to run off of archetypes uh that you might see in like you know your usual big budget films um and then the other part of it is, is that it is being made by Amazon, which I, I'm just going to really echo what Fire was saying here, which is they did Good Omens. And they did Good Omens really well, as far as I can tell, um, even in talking about gender stuff with uh, the way they played David Tennant's character Crowley being addressed. They didn't play it off as a man in a, uh, a man in a dress joke. It was just Crowley's a demon and doesn't care. And if he if it looks better for the parents to see him as a nanny, that's what he is like. They can do more nuanced things with Amazon. So I'm hoping between the TV show and the freedom that other Amazon TV shows has been, have been given, we get the subtlety and nuance and controversial subjects that I know and love Fallout for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Magic Missile, you wanted to jump in? Magic? Oh, I don't know if Magic's oh. there. Oh, there you are. Hey. Oh, there Hello. we are. Yeah. No. I, uh, what Fire Rider was saying about it being bad, um, like about it all, 
all just going to shit and stuff like that. Um, I I look at the TV adaptations of books and games and stuff like that. Like there was The Witcher, and then there we had well, Good Omens, and I whether they're good or they're bad, I just I am thankful that media is diving into things that we appreciate worlds that have been created that are fictional and non-fictional and they are they are giving that to a much broader audience you know and so even if it's good or bad the one thing that i can take from all of that is that we will be getting more members of our community that understand what we're talking about and then they can appreciate it as much as we do yeah yeah that's a solid point um and and to piggyback on that the uh, the examples that you brought up have both been successes so we are seeing a trend in them being able to handle that a little bit better. Aperture, Aperture made it in. How's it going? Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Um, did you want to okay. jump? you want to jump in on this? Uh, uh, yes, I would. Um, I'm coming out a little blind here, but um, I'm actually, I'm actually, I want to be excited for this, but I'm very worried. Um, I don't know if any of you remember the Silent Hill films. Um. I don't think but, I saw uh, those. Um, but, no? No. Well, I started out playing Silent Hill, and then I got very excited when I learned there was a movie coming out. You know, I, I uh, started out with Silent Hill 2 and, you know, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Pyramid the heads and, ter- and such. Yeah, I mean, the movie was terrible. <laughs> like, it was, it was all jump scares, but not, like... It just didn't do it justice, and I'm I'm terrified that um that this could be a sort of make or break uh thing for like Fallout. Like it um what am I trying to get across here? It's it's Fallout has already soured a lot of fans with with some mistakes that have been made. I'm worried that something like this will will have a negative effect if it's not implemented right. Like, I'm actually very terrified that one of the underarching plots of the story is going to be a big um, romance that just feels shoehorned in. Like, that is honestly my biggest fear of this entire... this entire endeavor that's going on, because, I mean, Fallout usually is not about things that most TV shows kind of fall in... like, the kind of tropes that uh, TV shows tend to um you know to rely implement. On. yeah 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 you know th- hold on but to, to take that I, this is something you bring up that um i hadn't actually thought about this idea of uh working in some sort of romantic aspect into a story um because you're right that is that is something that's typically worked into a storyline for a tv show there's always going to be some sort of romantic something um, right, but I could see how people I could see how somebody might justify that as saying well Yeah, because you can romance characters in the games it w- it would make sense to have that in there. What do you think? Well, I feel like um, yeah, you can romance characters in the game, but if you uh, Choose to not do that at all. Do you do you really lose any core part of the game that is fallout? Sure, but what about people who come to the game because of of that? Like that's a like I, I would and I'm just throwing this out here. I'm sure some of us uh, in even just this group right here uh, would say that the be the ability to romance a character in a Fallout game because of your our experiences with Fallout 4 is actually very important. Like if they were to put out a Fallout 5, not Fallout 76, it's kind of a different thing. 
but a Fallout 5 was to come out and they didn't include that in the in the game options, that that would be a big miss. That like that's something that people rely on it for. I, I'm not saying that like I don't want there to be an element of love to the story. I'm worried that it's going to be a primary or even a secondary plot device. If it was like in the background, like it, it, the character falls in love throughout the story. Yeah, I would have no issue with that because that's kind of how it progresses in the sh- in in the game. But if the main plot is um, raiders have stolen uh, my lover, and I now have to go kill <laughs> raiders to return my lover, I'll I'll be a little bit turned off because most right. follow games are a bit a little bit higher reaching than that. If you'll pardon the term. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, it makes yeah. sense. I, I hear you. Yeah, it, it depends on the way it's handled. Right. Like, mm-hmm, exactly. like if you watch it, if you look at a show like and I haven't kept up with The Walking Dead, but if you look at a show like The Walking Dead, it starts off with some relationships. And then, of course, those mm-hmm. relationships change and they fall apart. And eventually, seasons later, other relationships happen. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I don't feel like those are ham fisted into the story so much as they're just kind of parts of things that happen in the world. Well, I've always felt that uh, The Walking Dead is a, a soap opera with zombies. It, it's a human drama first, I, I found, after right. it got after like season three. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, also, hello, everybody. <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, did anybody else want to jump in on this? I mean, I, I see some people uh, unmuting. Feel free to just, you know, like kind of chime in here and there. I, I don't have to call on everybody as long as we're. You know, I'll 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 negotiate okay. it if too many people jump in, but yeah, feel free to respond. <laughs> I actually kind of want to go if that's okay with everybody. Um, do, uh, you, do you want to do you want to answer some of the things that have been brought up, or do you want to change the topic? Because well, yeah, well, yeah, I kind of okay. want to like got it. Yeah, see, it was at the beginning of uh, Aperture's thing where you said like that. You know, I'll just be honest. I know a lot of us here are probably big fans of '76 and play '76 almost every day, but um, in the general my or the, the general eye of the normal consumer, in my opinion. Is that seventy six, especially at the beginning? I know it's gotten better, but it, it put it kind of put one nail in the coffin in a way. To follow, this is how I say it at least. And I don't want the movie to be the final nails in the coffin because, um, you know, it's follows a game I game series I love. You know, three is probably my favorite non Nintendo game in the world. So, you know, yeah. It's 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 just a matter of putting a taste into people's mouths. If the first season bombs, but they make an amazing second season, people aren't going to still go for it. That's why a lot of people haven't gotten into seventy six, whether or not it's a it's improved since then. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going going to say like this is if if you look at the 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 target audience for the TV show at this time is going to be the general gaming public not just necessarily Fallout fans, but gamers in general, like The Witcher was. And Bethesda has already started doing some things that in the minds of the general public, I agree with some parts, not all of them, that are leaving bad tastes in people's mouths. Uh, Remaking Skyrim however many times and not putting out a, a new Elder Scrolls the changing of how dialogue works in Fallout 4 that comp- that really felt constricting in dialogue trees compared to what things were like in 3 or New Vegas. And then, as stated, the... Oh, the kind of there you are. box office flop, so to speak, of the opening of... Oh, did I cut out? Yeah, you're fine. You're fine now. Okay. But it's 
it's slowly been happening, but as things have gone on, people have lost a little bit of their goodwill towards Bethesda due to repeated missteps. And so I definitely agree. I really don't want want this to be bad, not just because I'd love to be able to watch it, but you know, what if between the box office flop of '76 and the failure of the TV show, will Bethesda think that Fallout is even worth making any new games for? Yeah. Or will they just updating 76 well here i can i can address some of that why don't i jump in real quick and address some of that because i i have had the ability to speak with some of the people at bethesda and um you know interviewed them back uh before wastelanders came out um and i've been a little bit more plugged in than say everybody has but one of the things that um that i know that they are 100 percent committed to is continuing to make content for these for for fallout so the the missteps of 76, some of the things that uh, people didn't like necessarily in Fallout 4. I mean, I, I can talk about that specifically, like the dialogue. They've taken uh, note of what people like and dislike and have worked that into the Wastelanders expansion for the dialogue. So that's that's something that they've been addressing. Um, <laughs> after Tom flexing up in here. But, um, uh, but, and there are things that I can't say because... I can't yet, and you guys will will understand this uh, sometime in the future. But I definitely know that they are 100% committed to the series and to taking feedback and changing it. The other thing that I would I would pose as a question, because yes, we're aware of the the fandom and the negativity around some of the decisions and some of the, the missteps they've made. But what game developer has released X number of a game? And hasn't either come under the criticism of they keep making the same game over and over and over. Why don't they take any risks? Or, man, they took this in the wrong direction. I hate it. They need to just do the same thing that they've always done. Why don't? Why do they keep changing the thing that I love? And my sense of that is that it's a it's a catch twenty two. You can't win with everyone. You either do one and you fail, or you do the other and you fail in somebody's eyes. Um. So, uh, Portal only had two releases. So, they, they, like, think about a, a game series that has had multiple, multiple releases of the game and is, um, is trying to, uh, you know, make things different. You know, uh, Call of Duty, uh, you guys are responding in chat with this. Call of Duty went through that phase where they, they came up with a formula, they refined the formula, it worked really, really well, the formula got stale, they kept trying to revise it. It got more and more and more stale, and then eventually they refined it again. And they've been doing it for so long that, depending on who, which part of the gaming demographic you are, and when you came in on the series, at some point they changed it too much, and you just didn't like it anymore, or they didn't change it enough, and there wasn't enough going on. Um, now I, I know that Zemnis, uh, Zemnis, you, you had been uh, wanting to chime in here for a while now. I want to make sure that I, I get your your thoughts on this um, before we drift into two. Is we could very easily splinter into multiple topics here, but I want to make sure that you get to chime in. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, like the, the whole game series there uh, just a minute ago is because it, it's kind of like the Need for Speed games. You know, they've done it so many times and so often that they've changed so much with it that it's just become kind of just a repeat uh, of the same mistakes with certain things. And like what I'm hoping that um, Bethesda does with the TV show is 
if they go and represent it the best way that they possibly can and do much better with the TV show like they're starting to do with 76, like, for instance, get a new storyline out there and being able to show a different area that we may not have seen before or maybe uh, different creatures we've never seen before in the, this new thing. It would be very interesting to see. And and that's kind of like one of my, my biggest hopes is that they try something new with this instead of trying to go off of some of the other uh, games that they've made and maybe bring, like I said, some new creatures in. And I'm also kind of afraid that what they're going to do with it is, because I have seen some of the different Amazon shows and some of them where they were supposed to be really good shows, they had really poor-looking clothing, really poor-looking uh, effects. Uh, some of the creatures weren't really good. I'm kind of afraid that's going to happen, but I'm also kind of looking forward to seeing how they're going to make good representations of, say, like the Deathclaw, or how the armor's going to look on, on these different characters that are going to be that, how the weapons are going to look. Yeah, right. I suppose that's a that's a budget issue, really. You know, it's how much budget do they have to put into it in order to make sure that it it really works well. Amazon, if if it's Amazon, they're going to have an amazing budget. Uh, I I share the exact same fear with you, particularly with mutants and ghouls on that one. Yeah, I guess the question is really, again, like how much do you change it up and how much do you keep it the same? Right. Like if they don't have super mutants and ghouls and death claws and those kinds of things in in the show then you're gonna have people say well this isn't fallout but again but like you're saying if they don't have new creatures show up because every time they release a new game there's some sort of new creatures or something going on with that location that's a little bit different than the other locations then you, you're also going to say well this isn't fallout right so you need to kind of balance the two so it's it's this really interesting i don't know recipe that you have to just get get just right hello there old chap Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Exactly. Can I jump in a little bit there? Sure. So, um, some of the things that uh, Zem was talking about, Zemnis was talking about, is uh, similar to some of the things that I kind of had uh, prepared here in some of my, uh, some of my thoughts. Yeah, go um, for it. Drop, which, uh, drop the of, knowledge, Nunamur. Drop the knowledge. <laughs> hit, hit, hit I don't know about that. I'll drop the ideas at least. Okay. But uh, so so one thing, like just to kind of start in, something I always recommend, uh, which I'm stealing this. It's it's from another podcast, um, but it's a Star Wars podcast, and they they have this catchphrase that they say, "Speculate responsibly." And what they mean by that is that obviously we all know the Fallout universe so well. And we have a lot of ideas about where the show could go, what it should be, what it shouldn't be. The important thing is that all of us want it to be good. but That's obvious. But besides wanting it to be good, we also want it to be successful. And some of the ways in order for it to be successful may be different than what we as fans may feel or think the show should be. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a solid point, and that's one of the justifications often for changes in uh, jumping from one media to another, say, like, taking a book and moving it into a movie, or taking a video game and turning it into a TV series. Exactly, and it's a, what it is really is it's a, it's a tight tightrope act, 
because you have to appeal to people that don't know uh, Fallout and don't know the Fallout universe and make it accessible. But you also need to do that without alienating fans, which is a very, very tricky thing to do. But one of the advantages, in my opinion, about the Fallout universe is that there's so much storytelling to be told. And so along the ideas of what Zem was saying, I really, that was my hope. The thing that I wrote down is my hope is that it's a new story, that it's not an adaptation of one of the games, that it's not just Fallout 4 over again or Fallout 3 over again or New Vegas or whatever the case may be. And along with what Zem was saying as well as he was saying about a new location, I think that would be fantastic. Maybe somewhere adjacent to some of the places we're familiar with, maybe in further seasons, they could come across areas that we're familiar with from some of the games, but that they could do that while weaving their own story. But the thing about that is that it still has to hit on certain touchstones of the Fallout games and of the Fallout stories. So there has to be certain things familiar, like, say, for instance, a vault and vault dwellers. Um, The idea of a point-of-view character that is emerging from a vault and doesn't know about the wasteland. And we, as the audience now, we, we as Fallout fans, we know what the wasteland is. We know how it works. We know what caps are. We know what death claws are. But a lot of people watching the show may not know that. And so they really need that point of view character that's coming in and experiencing this wasteland for the first time and learning what all these things are. And uh, the other problem, too, with adaptations where the Fallout games have so much, which this is kind of similar to what I was talking about last month, but where the uh, games focus so much on player choice and how you choose how quests turn out and you choose how the story ends if we focus too much on say an adaptation of one game you're sort of locking in a story and removing that player choice that uh they may have you know a player at home may have be or rather a watcher at home who played the games may be sitting there and saying oh well i did something different in that quest if it's just an adaptation whereas if it's a new story then it really opens them up to really be able to tell a compelling, interesting story without alienating people by making different choices than what they may have made in their playthroughs. Yeah, that's a solid point. Um, uh, Zemnis, do you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I was also going to say another thing, because um, the other thing that I was thinking about, too, is maybe from instead of a vault dweller's perspective, maybe if they change it a little bit, to maybe uh could be an enclave officer could be brotherhood of steel could be a raider you know something something just a little bit different than what we're used to that way it kind of piques interest of some of these ones because there have been a lot of people that i've met on fallout 76 or that have played fallout 4 is like well why can't we go and see something you know different because they just started playing it and they they saw the different uh, beginning stories of a vault dweller in pretty much each and every one. And right. they asked, well, why not have something a little different that kind of piques my interest more because a vault dweller is kind of running on the same line of, well, you're walking a thin line, like Nunamur was saying, trying to tightrope walk if you're going to keep doing that. the same thing. 
that may also be what you're looking for as someone who's played all these games though. And that's sort of what I was saying was like, if they don't hit upon those familiar touchstones like a vault dweller or like somebody coming out of a vault, that's where, you know, it, it may become very confusing because then you have to introduce the Brotherhood of Steel right off the bat, or you have to introduce the Enclave right off the bat, as opposed to introducing the idea of people in a bunker surviving a nuclear apocalypse. That's something that basic sci-fi and unfortunately real life um, have, you know, touched upon. So that's something that a mainstream audience, people who haven't played every single Fallout game, would be able to latch onto right away. Okay, here's these people underground surviving. That's a point of view character. If you have someone who's in the Brotherhood of Steel or Enclave, that ceases to be a point of view character. I, I actually... Uh, oh. My apologies for stop. I was talking oh, about you. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I actually kind of agree with uh, Zems, and my thought on, um, on this is they might actually go about it sort of like how uh, Mad Max Fury Road went about things, where Mad Max was actually more of a secondary character, and the story follows... Um, a little bit of a lesser, like say a raider or a or a uh, a settler or you know just a random wastelander who uh-huh. you know they've encountered this this person this really recognizable vault dweller or what have you who's just fresh to the wasteland and so the story kind of follows the you know the experienced wastelander kind of keeping this this uh, fresh out of the vault dweller alive and kind of explaining like, oh, those pricks, oh, that's the Brotherhood of Steel. Ah, oh, those guys, they're raiders. Don't mess with them, you know. Yeah. That's Deathclaw. We should run. That, I, I think you if know, they're smart, they're going to uh, reveal the things that we're familiar with very slowly. Mm-hmm. They're going to grow the world over the length of an entire season. So, uh, you, you know, like, like you're saying, uh, they will take a character and maybe, you know, a group of characters or whoever and introduce only like a faction or two factions or a creature and then another creature, but like not, not show us everything all at once. Exactly. Kind of yeah. like tease in, in one episode. Hey, was that a helicopter that flew by? And then, you know, right. yeah. Like wait, who has, brings it up. who has helicopter yeah. technology in the, in the, yeah. you know, in the, the wasteland. That's ridiculous. And then yeah. you come to find out that that's the brotherhood. Oh, what's the brotherhood. And then you start to, you know, learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, have, exactly. Have you have you guys seen the Tales from the Loop show that they made on Amazon? No. Nope. Um, each episode is different. It has a different story, but at the end of the season, they all tie together. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'd like to see something like that. Yeah, you could you could come at it from that way too. Each episode is a different. Yeah, like each episode is like, oh well, this episode's a Brotherhood of Steel member, and throughout his episode, he interacts with characters that are meeting at the same place several episodes in the witcher kind of does that the last too. few episodes is them i watched yep. history yeah shows. the That's witcher does that stuff as well sorry say that again victor oh there was a, a mystery show i uh grew up watching i want to say it was beyond belief factor fiction it was hosted by uh, the same actor who does Riker, and they would do something similar it would be like all of these little disparate little mini stories and at the end they would all be tied together somehow mm-hmm. doing that on and wide would be interesting. Uh, my, what I was going to state though is uh, t- kind of taking the idea of possibly making the first, making your point of view character not a vault dweller. Mm-hmm. A, I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to have to play it safe to be able to appeal to the biggest kind of audience. 
However, if they would were to do it, I think that it is quite possible to get the same effect of learning the wasteland with actually um, some of the people of the Brotherhood of Steel, at least in my place, my very small playthroughs and my dives, as far as I can tell, some of the innermost uh, members of the Brotherhood of Steel, like the paladins and mechanics, not paladins, scribes and mechanics, are pretty well isolated from the rest of the wasteland compared to the knights and paladins. You could ha end up having somebody who, for whatever reason, has to leave the Brotherhood or got left behind or something or other and having to learn the wasteland, and they'd be just as fresh to it as a vault dweller. I mean, the other thing I would think of is one of the really iconic things, at least to me, of the first-person Fallout games, I'm not too sure on how the, the first ones did this, is at the beginning, you get that montage. You get, you get the montage yeah, and war, the montage. War, yeah, yeah, never changes, yeah. And, and even just watching that as a new player, you do get at least a little bit of an idea of what's going on. And I really hope that that's, that's kind of the direct, they open it like that. Not just because it'll be a good callback to the fans of how the games open, but it'll help explain a little bit, at least, of what this setting is like to people who are watching it for the first time. Mm -hmm. I think that and that it better be narrated by Ron Perlman. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they need I a. Really like that. They need a, a character, or they. I'm sorry, a viewer analog, and that's something that I, I mentioned before uh, when we talked about it on the Fallen Hub. The idea of somebody who isn't 100% familiar with everything going on that things can be revealed to at the same time that the, the viewer is is learning about what's going on as well. Um, I'm still I'm still holding out hope that my Roger Maxson pre-war Fallout movie idea gets <laughs> included somehow in this. Do you guys remember that from like a year ago? Yeah, I remember it. And if you've got all these contacts with Bethesda, you should make it happen, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, <laughs> I was I was gonna say you know I mean throughout the all of the games especially you know the the first person fallouts we get almost a clear storyline of the entire Brotherhood of Steel so if they were gonna do a faction based show I mean we have history in the game and through lore of Roger Maxson all the way till Fallout Four so they could do a a, a very well written Brotherhood of Steel because all the content's already there. Yeah, well, it's two hundred years. There's two hundred years between those, um, between you know Roger Maxson and the bombs dropping and finding out what's going on at Mariposa and the events of Fallout Four. So you, there's a lot of content you could pull from. Um, I, I, you know, if there, and this is just another idea. Fallout seventy six is a. Uh, is like a what's the word it's a pre whatever um, it's a prequel a prequel it's a prequel to the other to the other games even the first game starts roughly 100 years after the bombs drop um so there's a lot of gaps in information we have about the world and what's going on in that 100 years before what's you know what we're seeing and the fact that they're regularly writing and expanding content on 76 means that they probably have people who are in that headspace. So to be able to incorporate a lot of those kinds of concepts into a TV show that takes us from the beginning through the story um, could be very interesting. Now, uh, a TV show jumping, you know, generations and generations probably isn't going to happen. I would assume that you're going to stick with a group of characters. I'm going to disagree with you on that there, Tom. 
Yeah, you think it could happen? I, I, th- I think that if they do introduce a character like Roger Maxson, they might actually devote like uh, an episode or half an episode to a very quick kind of timeline of showing him, you know, it, it's, it's sort of a one-off episode, but it explains the founding of this entire organization. It, it, it'll feel yeah. a bit jarring, but you know what I'm saying? Like a montage. Yeah, or um, I feel like, I, I can't name a show off the top of my head. I feel like somebody like uh, a show like, was it The X-Files? Or uh, shows that, that dabble in this like, mystery environment these are things going on often will have kind of a one-off episode where they go you know 20 years back in time and it just focuses on the events of a thing that influence the rest of like the main plot but those characters are like like yeah yeah those those characters are just tied to only one episode but they're referenced in a lot of the other parts of the show yeah definitely um i was just thinking talking about like uh things that we hope for for the tv show and i remember someone mentioning you know it's amazon so they're gonna have a big budget it was already kind of touched on but i am really interested in what the divide between computer effects and practical effects is going to be for the show because honestly for my ghouls i'd rather see them in makeup versus cgi uh, motion capture stuff um i'm big monster person that I watch a lot of horror movies and I look a lot into how different uh, effects are done practically with makeup or costumes or robots and I don't know that's something that concerns me because if they go too much CG I wonder if it'll make it stand out yeah it comes across too fake because of it yeah like um this is a very extreme end of it but uh have any of you either even heard of or watched the original movie version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a very old version, and they ended up using kind of, sort of, animation. And it's very jarring and uncomfortable and kind of gross to look at. Like, when you've got that level of you can tell what's a computer and what's practical, it's, it's really disjarring. And for Fallout, this is a universe that, when we play it, you want to be immersed in it. Seeing something like yeah. that that would jar out of that immersion would actually, if quite honestly, might be a deal breaker for me. For right. Watching the show. I, I think if they're smart, they're going to do the like Mandalorian type of thing where you have uh, effects that work in the world, but are uh, consistent to the stylization of the show. Does that make sense? Like, have you guys seen <laughs> you, the Mandalorian? You, you I literally know. just stole, you stole the next thing I was going to say, Tom, we're, 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 Gonna like there. I was just gonna say, well, if it's anything like the Mandalorian, where you know they were really able to blend um, practical you effects, know, practical digital, effects yeah. with heavy CG, that you know, I I was actually just telling my kids about. Uh, they watched all of the Mandalorian, and I was telling them about how it was filmed with the digital sets and stuff. And my kids were blown away because they thought that a lot of the sets that were digital sets were actually actually practical sets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's and hard a lot to tell. Of things, it, it really is. They did a really good job. And the thing about that, too, is that the technology, obviously, is a huge budget. You know, being Disney, they have all the money in the world, but so does Amazon. So the technology is certainly expensive, but using that technology can um, save a lot on the budget and really expand what 
is possible for them to be able to do with this show. The scope of the show, using a technology similar to what they did in The Mandalorian, really opens up the possibilities with, um, with this show. And just a quick side note about what Victor was saying. I've actually seen that adaptation of uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and it is jarring. Uh, yeah, like I, okay, so I totally get where you're going at with the, with the Mandalorian of sets versus... That's, that's, I guess, my concern is that for some of the more human size. So I'd say probably the size of a super mutant and death claw down. I would hope that they do practical effects. Like if we have actual ghoul characters, I don't want to see a CG capture ghoul face. I want to see somebody with makeup on so that they can properly emote through the face. But see, for bigger stuff, right? That that being digital, I could totally see. I guess it's the the this, the uh, separation between wanting to be able to see and relate to characters in a very realistic feeling way, but not necessarily they have to go out to Appalachia if they end up doing a, a sojourn into 76. Is, uh, See, I was trying to say. Vic, that's actually one of my biggest fears. Like my main complaint with uh, the show we already have, uh, Nuka Break, uh, I, I, I'm sure most of us have already seen it. They did the ghouls. It was all practical effects. They did the ghouls perfectly. Like the ghouls were believable. They were expressive. It was very well done. But when they did Red Star and they had a super mutant show up, that's like the one set piece that completely broke immersion for me. Simply because it was it was a situation where it actually would have benefited from a little bit of CG um, on the face of the super mutant. The body was fine, but the face felt stiff, and, and it was the one thing that broke my immersion in that entire show. So I actually wouldn't mind seeing CG captured faces on on the more uncanny valley of the creatures if it happens with the ghouls meh whatever but things that are are even less human but still look human i i really think that they should go a bit cg heavy on that well yeah, there's I, also the possibility that they could oh sorry god i was gonna say i get where you're coming from that and honestly this i can't help but think do we know anything beside just the byline of by the people who did westworld because like I said, dated. I'm interested in practical effects. If I had had my dream job, I'd probably be a some kind of uh, movie or stage uh, makeup artist. Because I would hope that Amazon has the budget to go for the big guns, Industrial Light and Magic. Uh, they are the ones who've done all of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, they've done The Mandalorian. Uh, they did a whole bunch of really good stuff that definitely were able to get the stuff down to a human size that's expressive all the way up to, you know, the size of a Rancor and make it all fit in the same same screen. Um, if anybody knows if we know about that yet, I'd be definitely interested in seeing who's doing the effect. Uh, but until then, I'd probably wait on bated breath and hope that it's ILM. Yeah, I don't it's know probably going to be pretty... Oh. Yeah, I believe all, all we know as far as, like, creatively is we know the production studio behind Westworld, and we know that uh, Todd Howard is going to be involved in the creative aspect. He's yeah. going to be sort of supervising. And the Westworld but effects were good. That, I um, yeah, I, I, yeah, they were they were plenty good. Uh, you know, there's definitely times that there's CG involved, but um, you know, I don't know. They they do a good job incorporating practical effects and CG together and blending it well. So hopefully they they pull it off just as well in this series. Um, 
Can I can I jump in here? I, we haven't heard from Soybean yet. Soybean, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share some stuff if you wanted to. Yeah, it's just I'm I'm enjoying listening to everybody else. Um, I would say my only like hope for the show, my only uh, speculation, would be that like we definitely see a location we haven't been before. And, like, my hope would be somewhere not America, perhaps at least for an episode, a single episode. Interesting. <laughs> but, yeah. um, or if, oh, also interesting, each episode, different place. Maybe not have it be a linear storyline, but a bunch of stories of the wasteland. Yeah. Fallout stories of the wasteland. Exactly. Uh, so you, yeah, you might see someone uh, who's in Canada during the whole annexing thing. Cause that's a big part of fallout's history or um, China and the whole like espionage between America and China during uh, the, before the great war and to a point even after. <laughs> um, but yeah like i think a like chronicles kind of series would be really fun yeah yeah i could could see that um do you have any concerns do you have any like oh god i hope they don't do this i would say like probably along the lines of what aperture said where it I don't want them to play into too many, like, show kind of, like, you are writing a television show. You have to do this to make sure that your your audience is watching. Like, like I want them to continue to try to do things a little different and not just, oh, well, uh, we are writing a TV show. There's got to be, there's got to be a love interest. There's, there's got to be the time travel episode there's got to be the i don't know like like uh-huh. the honey i shrunk the kids episode. like the, the you cute know kid. there needs to be a cute kid in it somewhere there needs to yeah, be there needs to be a cute kid for comic relief right. like no nah, nah. i want them to just just try new things so yeah 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 good one lincoln uh yeah just kind of again just boot camping off of that like so i have my experience with video game movies and TV shows started with me finding out that, you know, this was a long time ago, uh, but the Super Mario Brothers movie, like the one that came out in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like that was like apparently like the first ever one that ever came out or based off of a video game, and it was horrible. What uh, are you talking about? That is a masterpiece of a film, and I will not hear otherwise. <laughs> oh, uh, man. The Goombas. But, the Goombas just, oh, man. No, the Bowser. Bombs. Bowser. <laughs> need to look at pictures of this while we talk go on yeah uh but then so like growing up i was a big nintendo fan so like i was like i going through all this and then there's there was the zelda cartoon and the mario cartoon those were okay but then i want to say that like i put up this idea of that if this show does get a maybe second maybe even third season this could sort of just be like an alternate timeline kind of like how in my opinion the pokemon anime is like like it's it's still pokemon and it's still in the same universe but like and you have similar characters and all that but like 
is just I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's different, but the same. Like you know, so they can slightly contradict each other, but it's still like it still will make sense in that little bubble. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Okay, so um, so how does that work? Are you talking about like, like I'm saying, like stuff like it could maybe be set during the events of Fallout. New, I don't know, New, New Vegas or three or four. It doesn't even matter, but like. Either from the perspective of like another character, like a side story, but still, yeah, exactly. but, the, but the events of of the games are still canon. We're not changing any of that. You're just you're just telling it from the perspective of say somebody else in that in that world, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that uh, it would be it would be difficult to retread exactly the same story because, of course, everybody's yeah. stories are are specific to themselves in the way they play through them. Yeah. But so you're going to want to focus on somebody else in that world. Um, interesting, interesting. Newnimer? Yeah, no, I, I unmuted because um, it, this is very close to what I wrote down as my fear. Um, so before, you know, I was saying my hope is that it's essentially all new story. But my fear is that it messes up canon. I actually really want this show to be canon. I want it to work within the canon of all the games. Um, I'm somebody who's perfectly okay with like adaptations, like saying, you know, I love a comic book and I love, you know, a, a book. And then a movie version comes out and it makes a bunch of changes. And it's just like, okay, that's a separate thing. There's the movie continuity and the book con- continuity. Normally, I'm fine with that. But something about having like a, a meta narrative you know, across multiple um, mediums is always been fascinating to me. Having, you know, a storyline go on with a game and then having a movie or a book or a comic book or, or a TV show in this case, being set in that same world and being able to read and view two different things uh, that are both within the same canon. So, like... In other words, that's and that's part of the reason why, too, I'm hoping that it does tell new stories, because within telling those new stories, it could still do that without conflicting with the already existing canon. And by that, I also I also am cool with the idea of it challenging some of that canon, Um, because especially understanding the creatives behind Westworld, this is certainly going to have some mysteries in it. It's going to have some twists and turns and that sort of storytelling. Maybe people thinking something is a certain way and then it turns out to be something completely else, else, you know, similar to some of the, you know, messing with perception type stuff in Westworld. Um, but I just love the idea of like watching the show and then getting off the TV and playing a game in the Fallout universe and being able to add this show to the canon of what I'm already already playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that this should definitely extend our knowledge, but and it's also a good way to make sure that th- we don't know what's going to happen. Like, I think that's another key component to this, is that the people who have played the games, if we know what's going to happen the whole time, then we're, it's, it's not a, there's no tension in it for us, right? Like, kind of like why Silent Hill 1 failed. <laughs> Yeah, if that's uh, I haven't seen it, but yeah, is that what happens? Pretty much. Yeah, fire. 
I I actually like Silent Hill one, but okay. <laughs> you guys are gonna duke it out. I, I saw Fire yeah. Rider on me. Um, she hasn't fight, had a chance to fight, talk in a little fight, while. Fight, fight. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was just gonna say, uh, kind of along the lines of uh, you know delving into some new canon, building on existing canon, and what Zemnius was saying about uh, new creatures, new locations, all of these kind of things. It kind of brings me to the one hope that I have that I almost barely don't dare to vocalize, but. Could it possibly be an introduction to a new game? That's what I was actually kind of thinking would happen. I honestly, I, I don't know if it will follow the current canon we have, but I guarantee you, the next game we get is definitely going to set what follow whatever canon this show sets. Yeah, because I mean, we had no idea this was coming down the pike. Not, maybe Tom did because he's got all his contacts. No, no, no I, I didn't. No. <laughs> but this came out of the blue for everybody. And if they're keeping that so tightly under wraps that nobody knew, and it was, I feel like there's a chance. You know, and I mean, we've all talked about like, oh God, the next game could be eight years out, 10 years out, whatever. What if it's not? What if this is going to slide right in to that? And it's like, it feels like a real long shot. But it's there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so from the perspective of what I understand to be the, the roadmap for Fallout, um, the, the main studio at Bethesda it, that always works on Fallout and Elder Scrolls is finishing up work, work on Starfield, which hopefully we'll find out more information about sometime, you know, maybe even later this summer. I don't know. Um, but I'm, my hope is that that gets released sometime in the next year and a half. Um, that studio then is is shifting over to Elder Scrolls Six, which has been established that they're working on that. Chances are that's going to release uh, what twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, because it takes it's now taking them six or seven years to re- to really get through a new a new game release. Um, and then that would mean that if that studio were to transition into a Fallout Five, that we're not going to get Fallout Five until close to ten years from now, which is part of the reason why they broke off a, a second studio designed fallout 76 and are focusing on continual improvements to fallout 76 building out that world increasing it more and more and more and more so that they can continue to be doing something in fallout without leaving this 15 year gap of anything at all to do in the fallout games does that make sense so if this if this show takes off and does well who knows i mean it might be a a year or two until we actually see the actual first episode come out um and they get you know five or six seasons in then you might be absolutely right we might be closer to that fallout five uh date by the time we're multiple seasons into this tv show and then we have a game that ties directly into some of the things that have been revealed from the tv show so yeah there could be a lot of correlation between the way these things play out um, if you tie in 76 into it, then now you have a TV show and a game which may be working off of each other. You have some things that get revealed in the TV show that then influence things that get implemented in Fallout 76, and then that influences things that get revealed in the TV show. And now you have um, this whole new kind of back and forth media between games and TV where, where you have two living, in a sense, uh, media properties that are really working off of each other. Um, I, I know that Bethesda is trying to push the boundaries in this. It's one of the reasons why 76 has been 
such uh, an interesting experiment is that it's not an MMO. It's a multiplayer game, but it's not a competitive multi. It's like a cooperative multiplayer game. That's not a survival game. It's not an MMO. It's kind of its own thing. So they're definitely trying to think outside of the box. So, um, anybody else have uh, aperture? Do you have something you want to chime in with? Wouldn't be too surprised if it actually very closely followed the formula that seventy six put out. Like um, the first big chunk of the show is um, it, hell. It could even be set the same way seventy six is. You're a character recently after the bombs. You don't know much about the world. The first couple episodes, half season, is about exploring the wastes. And then, hey, a year passes, there's people here now. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they actually followed a very similar, if not the same plot as 76. There's so many avenues that it could take, but I, I could see, you know, shy of them dropping more nukes on Appalachia, uh, I could see them actually really following um, the format that 76 has put out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, the two could coincide together. Um, so here, here's, an, here's a thought I have. Here's a question I have for everybody. And uh, as we're getting, kind of getting closer to the end of the episode, um, I would love for each of you to consider if you were involved in the TV show yourself, you were actually, if Bethesda came and said, hey, I want you to be involved in the TV show, and you got to choose the character that you played in the show, what would you choose? Who would you be? How would you be involved? Or maybe you're behind the scenes. Like, would you, would you want to be a writer for the show? Would you want to be somebody who deals with like cinematography and, and those kinds of things? I would like to be the person, the vault tech representative who uh, coordinates the social experiment that the show actually is. <laughs> That's pretty meta. <laughs> okay, I, I have a thing that I think this position should exist at every single TV show that's based off of another IP. Is just a fan or somebody in a community that loves... Like, you know, somebody to be like, is this a good idea to put on TV or is this a good idea to be like, is this what's in the game or whatever? Like, you know, I don't know. Like, let's say, I don't know, kind of like how they had, I remember with one of the, this is back in the, the Atari days, but like, I remember they had like fans of Star Wars be on the team to like with, with the Atari games, I think, if I'm remembering that correctly. But, mm -hmm. So, um, like a like a community uh, feedback kind of yeah, kind of because like I I just I'd love to just be the guy that they consult on like hey is is our video games good or is it should be <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah yeah like you're you're the one who gets but, to sit in in the room after they've they've done like the first uh you know run of of shots and have like a first build of like an episode and say what do you think what would you change yeah exactly focus yeah focus testing right right right. Yeah, I'd love to be in like a focus group for a video game TV show. Cool, cool. Well, let's let's keep moving down the list. Uh, let's go back up to Firewriter. It's right there in my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe. <laughs> I, I I'd really like to um, be involved with like writing dialogue too, because I, I love doing dialogue, and I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on uh, how people talk in that universe, and I would really like to be a part of that. That would oh, be oh, cool. 
incredibly fun. Yeah. What, um, what you would, I'm, I, I know the answers to this. You would want to write the ghouls, right? <laughs> no, I'd want to write everybody. I mean, it's like when I'm, I mean, I incorporate every aspect of it that I can, uh, when I'm writing and, um, I, I, I especially, I, I like finding, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, similarities between characters that, uh, might, uh, you might not otherwise find, um, or they might not even consider, but finding that common ground and letting them, uh, talk between themselves. Uh, I really enjoy doing that. And, uh, Cool. I, I'd like to, I feel like that would be something that would work really well in a TV show when you've got all these uh, uh, di- diverse, divergent groups to find that common ground in between them, um, ways that they're similar. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably a theme that, that I would assume would occur in the show. Yeah, I, I would I would just love to be involved with that. It'd be so much fun. Yeah. Would you would you want to play a character also? Yeah, but not like a named character, like a um, like somebody that we know from the games or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, right. But uh, just you're kind of uh, some uh, badass wastelander. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, well, you've already got the, like the vault suit in the. I don't know the. What is it? A. It's the Minutemen general outfit. <laughs> I do plasma have the plasma. Oh yeah, yeah, the Minutemen plasma that's right. rifle. That's right. Yeah. yeah, the plasma rifle. But that's probably too yes. specific. So uh, yeah, we'll back away from that. But I mean, I do have just like a generic uh, wasteland outfit too. So yeah, yeah, I've got my plasma uh, rifle and my uh, and my uh, laser pistol too. So I'm I'm ready. They You're can ready? call me. I'm good. You're ready. It's just like it's just like uh, what. Uh, so my husband does the 501st, you know, for Star Wars, and they do call on them to uh, be in things and do things. They've called on them to like be in the Mandalorian and stuff. So, Hey you guys, if you're listening, I've already got a costume. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here, you man. Just be one of the background call people me. walking around, you know, part, part, <laughs> some, one of the settlers in one of the, the villages or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. all I want. There you go. Just to be there. New number. What do you think? Oh, I definitely want to be in the writer writer's room with fire. Um, <laughs> To be able to write for a show like this would be a dream come true. So that's, uh, it almost makes me sad saying it. I would love to write for this show so much. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would definitely be more in the, uh, if fire is going to take the dialogue, I'll be more in the general plotting and, you know, kind of big picture type type stuff, kind of, uh, thinking through, you know, the, the, like I was implying before the twists and turns and mysteries and, stuff like that i would i would love to love to be writing something like that for fallout that would be wonderful yeah that would seem really fun yeah and if i if i had i do i do enjoy acting so if i was to be in the uh in the show i do tend to bring that dad energy so <laughs> i don't know maybe a maybe a kind hearted uh, uh overseer of mm. the of a control vault that really cares about his uh his vault dwellers and then gets stabbed in the back. And, yeah, it gets murdered a, at some point. Coup. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like You're too that. nice for the wasteland. Sorry. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm going to die in the vault with a knife in my back. Mew, I could totally see you as like, um, I know Little Lamplight doesn't have any adult leaders, but like the kind of adult leader Little Lamplight would have, or the leader of the family, like just someone who takes people under, the, under your, you just take people under your wing and try to help them figure out how to survive the wasteland and that's your dad energy 
Well, now you folks got me blushing. Dadergy. That's your new name. You're, you're, that's your, that's your last name. Your last name is is Dadder, is your your full name is Nunamer Dadergy. Your, Dadergy. That's your full I name. Like that. <laughs> I like it. But now, for real, though, writing for a show like this would be would be amazing. Yeah. Soybean, what do you think? Well, if I could do anything, anything. I okay. So so, here I am. Because to listen, okay. Listen up. Listen up. So, so we're doing we're doing the each episode following a different person. All right, that's what we're doing. Bethesda, cool. Okay. Now we have an episode taking place that that's supposed to be Fallout seventy six, and um, well, obviously, uh, we need our our Mothman chosen to to be in an episode. Uh So, uh, uh, I play the uh. Head priestess, obviously, because uh, that's what I am, and I have my Fosnot owl mask because that is who I am, also. Uh-huh. And I talk about Mothman for the forty-five minutes that the episode runs. There we go. Do you have a? Do you, do you have like a specific <laughs> uh, voice or like cadence to your speech that makes you like kind of creepy, cool? Because you're a Mothman cultist. Hmm, I don't think so. Oftentimes, uh, even when we're just running around in game and I'm playing around, uh, it is my normal voice because my normal voice is always praising Mothman. Mm, got no it. matter what, I do not need to put on a front to praise the Mothman. Uh, right, right. But I like the way you say the Mothman. <laughs> like, the Mothman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I yes. Like it. I like it. Very cool. Indeed. Victor, what do you think? To the surprise of absolutely no one, alternative <laughs> history consultant. Ah, specifically, yeah. not just lore and not just history, but there are particular things that are implied in Fallout but not fully explored that stem out of the fact that it is an alternative history. And so I would like to be kind of in the writer's room hanging out with New and Fire, but less on more specific less about plot, but more on specific details, like, is this a possible kind of slang term could we, we would use? What would be the equivalent? Um, how would these things, basically, you know, we've got things that existed, and then they stopped u- working because of the war, and then they figured out how to make them work again. Like, being able to conceptualize and help create, like, I can't draw very well, but help inform concept art and inform ideas of what a settlement might look like or the kind of speech people would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, to the shock of absolutely no one. Uh, <laughs> sure. I would also really, I think I like acting too. I was a theater kid before my drama teacher kind of soured it for me in high school. Um, but specifically, I'd want to be a ghoul. Yeah? So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be a ghoul and um, probably, I'd, I'd actually, to make my voice rougher, I would use a very old, old uh, trick from audio plays uh, that were to roughen voices. What they would do is they would grind up eggshells and uh, mix them with water and gargle it to roughen up their vocal cords for the performance. Oh, wow. So I something like that to assist in it and just being like, I don't know, badass, badass ghoul who doesn't take no shit. <laughs> Yeah, you smooth skin. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at something. <laughs> You're looking yeah. at something, smooth skin. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
not as a not as a big character, but like somebody hanging out in the ghoul equivalent of a bar or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Like a style. But yeah, overall, the bigger bigger thing would be to help inform concept art, design, slang, setting, to feel right in the sense that Fallout has its world because it does follow a logical conclusion from the alternative history point of the Red Menace being China. Sure. Everything yeah. comes from that. Yeah, it's all, it's all very consistent. It is. And yeah. I feel like maybe the... Todd Howard's going to be there creatively, but I wonder how much the writers are going to pay attention to where the parallels and differences are between Fallout history and our history to be able to write a very realistic and immersive Fallout world. That would be something I would love to assist with. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Very cool. All right, Zemnis, what do you think? He just ducked out, but yeah. I think I can Aww. safely say for the both of us that we'd probably be driving the trucks, moving the set pieces around. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. I see the message now. Um, cool. Um, anybody else want to chime in with any other thoughts on on what they would do or or any any revisions? Yeah. To your thoughts, kind of want to kind of want to actually change my answer. Yeah. What? what are you uh, change I'd be a cameraman because that's what I used to want to do before I decided ah. to go down my, on my current path. Well, there you but, go. Yeah, I'd be a good cameraman because I I always have like I'm so just slight background. I'm going to school for game design, but I want to, and I'm probably going to focus on like 3D level design. So it's similar to the camera thing is that I'd be good at like you know obviously I'd follow what the director tells me to do, but I'm good at you know like getting those the shots like what looks good and all that. So yeah, yeah, staging and and uh, seeing things from a specific angle to focus on stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And I know Fire, you've got a a revision here. <laughs> it's a good thing I was muted because I literally shrieked out loud when uh, Victor said he wanted to be a ghoul because I was like, what the hell am I thinking of course I want to be a ghoul. What the hell? <laughs> you keep your stupid wastelander. Of course I want to be a ghoul. What is wrong with me? A ghoul wastelander, having, sure. Blah, blah. Yeah. I want <laughs> a, a realization like that is actually liable to turn a normal ghoul into a feral ghoul so be careful <laughs> yeah be careful <laughs> suffering I'm, I'm mad at myself I'm gonna go out and just like smack myself feral? later yeah, go feral yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Either everyone. that or, or or if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be the wasteliner, let me romance a girl. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the, I'll be that little side romance that Aperture's so afraid of, and it'll be great. Terrified, <laughs> right? And and the more conservative viewers are gonna be like, oh, I don't know if a normal person and a ghoul should be in a relationship together. Ooh, I'm Ooh. gonna change the world, man. I'm gonna yeah. Oh, it's so wrinkly. Oh, oh. <laughs> and I was gonna be over here. Because I mentioned like hanging out at the, at the bar and fire, fire sitting next to me. It's like, come on, just let me hit out, hit on you at the bar. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We can we can work this that works. into the story. There you go. This works. Yeah. I'm here for it. Awesome. Awesome. Two thumbs up. You don't have to wait for the show to hit on fire, Vic. I'm sure we <laughs> reciprocate. I mean, Fire's husband is totally okay with this whole uh, <laughs> this whole ghoul husband thing. <laughs> Sorry, Kai, I love you. Sorry. <laughs> oh God, I'm not playing this for him. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But I mean, Fire and I are probably like, we're like one degree of Kevin Bacon apart with the shared custody of Hancock at this point. True. So I mean, True. it's not that far of a jump. Yeah, so we're practically <laughs> in a relationship anyway. It's, it's good. It's good. Does Hancock know this? Yeah. Okay, good. Please. Good. Yeah. Just making sure. <laughs> the question is, do you think Hancock would ever care? Not yeah. even a little bit. No. <laughs> Best of all possible worlds. <laughs> so I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, what what would I what would I want to do? You know what? I think I would like to play a uh a deacon kind of character. Like the um you know, somebody kind of tied in behind the, the scenes, kind of charismatic, kind of you know, plugged into everything. Maybe you don't even realize that he's there until like the end of the first season, and then you go back to like, oh, that was the same guy in all those situations. Holy crap! I think oh, I'd like to do like that. The, uh, like the oh, I forget his name. The one guy in um, uh, a Half Life where you'll see glimpses of him around when you play Half Life. Yes, G Man, but not as sinister yeah. because like you, you, because Deacon shows up in in the Fallout game in Fallout Four. In different places, uh, like disguised, because he's like keeping a, uh, you know, tabs on you until you actually connect to the railroad, um, and he's got like different disguises, and he looks like a, you know, just a townie in, um, oh, what's the name main village in the middle of the city? Uh, names falling out of my Diamond brain. City. Diamond City. Yeah, so he's in Diamond City. He's in, he's in a few other locations throughout the game until you realize that he's actually a, a you know character, and there's other stuff going on. But yeah, but you know, he's also kind of got that suave, like, eh, kind of, you know, knows what's going on, handle on things. I, that would be a lot of fun. So, play. so, Tom, you'd be, you know, hiding in the background of a bunch of scenes, being all sneaky and stuff like that. The only problem is you'd be wearing a robot's radio hat. Yeah, right. Regardless of any character you're playing, it always has a robot's radio hat. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, suddenly you're a little less sneaky. Everyone's like, wait a minute, what's. What? Huh? <laughs> what? No, no, no. No, what he has is he has a modified Mr. Handy that has BuddyBot's voice. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. We we need a, a BuddyBot needs to join in too. Yeah. I no longer <laughs> want to watch this show now. I'm sorry, BuddyBot scares me. Oh, I'm not that scary. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, BuddyBot should be on the show too. Yeah, I want to be on the show. Um, what would you do on the show, BuddyBot? Eat all the pizza. I don't think they have pizza in the wasteland, buddy bot. I don't think that's a thing. I don't know. I don't know for sure. Just well, keep him away from the workbench. Because <laughs> we don't need a, uh, a buddy tank bot coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining me again this month. And also, I, I very much appreciate you supporting the show and um, doing all the things that you do in our community, not just supporting through Patreon, but being involved and, uh, you know, being there for new members on the discord and, you know, just being so kind and positive, you guys really do set the tone for a lot of what, what goes on in the community. So I really do appreciate that. Um, yes, we are going to do links to our stuff. So if you'd like, uh, to call out some links, uh, other than being able to reach people on the discord, which you can do. So if you're interested in joining us on conversations regularly, on the Discord, just look up Robots Radio Discord or look in the show notes. You can do that as well. Also, if you're interested in supporting the show, then you're welcome to sign up on patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. And tier one members get ad-free episodes. And tier two members get the extended version of this 
conversation where you get to hear the pre-show talk and the post-show talk and that kind of thing. And tier four members get to join us at the end of every month for our patron calls. So you can go check that out as well. Also, if you're interested in Loot Crate, you can pick up a Loot Crate. That's also our sponsor for the show. And you get 50% off if you use the link in the show notes. So make sure you use the link. They'll know that we sent you and use the code ROBOTSRADIO. And go check out some loot crates, including the Fallout ones. They're they're super cool. That's where I got my Brotherhood flag, which you can see in the background of my videos. Um, but let's go through and thank everybody and find out where you can get a hold of them. So let's just go back alphabetically through Aperture. Yes, you can find me on um, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh oh. Discord. Oh, there you are. Uh, all the normal. Uh oh. Whoops. Nope. No, no back. I'm not there. You came back. You okay, came back. cut out. Oh boy. Anyways, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, all the standard places at at Aperture underscore Flash. You can also get a hold of me via CB Radio if I'm in your area on channel 19. And if you really want to get a message directly to me, write it out on a piece of paper and throw it off over an interstate overpass. I will read it as it slaps against my windshield. Follow my (laughs) channel if something's coming down the line. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, Firewriter? Uh, mostly, uh, besides here on, um, on Twitter, uh, yapping about all kinds of stuff and I'm on Twitch now too. So I'm fire writer there oh, yeah. too. If you want to, yeah, if you want to watch right. me, uh, romancing Hancock and doing all that cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. All, all romance, all Hancock all the time. All the time. No. Okay. Not really. I'll, I'll <laughs> terrify everybody, but yeah. Okay. That would be amazing <laughs> if you had like 365 <laughs> episodes of you just romancing Hancock over and over it's and over again. Just- Horrifying. Okay. <laughs> um, Lincoln, do you want to add anything other than Discord? Uh, yeah, no. It just if you guys need to get in talk out with me on the Discord, I'm an admin here on there, same as Firewriter. So uh, yeah, we're holding stuff down here. So yeah, you can just get in contact with me on the Discord. I'd love to talk to anybody. Yeah, and you also head up our Elder Scrolls Online Guild. Oh, so I do. Yes. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to mention that because it was Fallout. It, but yes, it I is do. Fallout. But there's some crossover, and some people may not know that who who might be interested in joining us. And you've been expanding our uh, guilds from PC uh, America to basically Europe and PC or I'm sorry, Europe and America on PC and Xbox and PS4. So basically if you play anywhere and you want to play with some of the people in our community, then jump on the discord and uh, Lincoln's the guy to talk to. So yes, sir. Yeah. Very much appreciate that. All right. Newnimer. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Tom. And um, just uh, I'm here in the Discord as everyone else, but also on uh, Twitter as Nunimer and on PSN as Neo Prowl. Uh, feel free to send me a friend request if you want to be playing some Fallout 76. Or worship the moth. Uh, and that was where I was going. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so and I are continuing to uh, grow our numbers. So if anyone's interested in, cho- in uh, joining the Mothman's Chosen, uh, his great and glowing light will guide you, and hopefully it will guide you to the uh, Robots Radio Discord, where we have a channel here, <laughs> where you can also find more information about it. Yeah, and it's very and, active. Uh, you guys are you guys to, are in there chatting all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun fun little place where we're we're growing little family. So if you want to come and join us and have some fun, uh, as long as you're an awesome, nice person, kind and accepting, and all that good stuff, then uh, you'll fit in with us. So come and uh, come and check it out and talk to us on any of those places you <laughs> growing a little family it makes me think of the little mothman backpack with a little baby moth in it 
I picked that up recently in 76. Yeah, we, we've all been running those. We all love those <laughs> so, so much. It's so cute. It's like a little, <laughs> it's like adorable. a baby Yoda, but it's like a baby Mothman who you carry around on your back. Yeah, the little baby moth. He is adorable. I love him. <laughs> Soy? Hi, I uh, just wanted to note, yeah, uh, this past month I've been very busy with my move and news been having plenty of stuff going on too. So we've kind of um, taken a little step back from recruitment, but we are planning to uh, start, you know, riling that up again. So if you have sent us a message in the past about getting uh, recruited into the Chosen, please uh, just hit us up again and we'll get back to you ASAP. Very cool, very cool. And Victor, um, Victor's uh, rounding this out for us. Magic Missile and Xemnas had to head out, so um, if you want to get a hold of them, then jump on the Discord. Victor, how can we get a hold of you? Uh, primarily through Discord. Um, however, if you start talking in the Fallout chat about anything about theoretical historical lore <laughs> for Fallout is not mentioned in the games, I will somehow be... <laughs> Notice it, and I will give you like three paragraph essays on a single subject if you really want them. Uh, no, but seriously, if you have any interest in um, not just Fallout, how Fallout connects to history and mythology, but just about any video game and mythology or history or classical literature, any of those kinds of things, um, that is something that I'm deeply interested in. So even if you're not really into Fallout history, but maybe stuff connected to Skyrim or Bioshock, uh, please feel free to ping me, and as soon as I've got enough time, I will write you that three-paragraph essay. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it's primarily on Discord at the moment. Um, I am working on getting internet, so hopefully I'll have uh, something more to be able to connect it to in the future. But again, just find me on the Discord, uh, Victor with a K instead of a C. Cool. We'll keep us posted. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining me again. And uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe in the wasteland. It's a crazy world out there. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. And I look forward to meeting any of our new patrons on our next uh, patron episode. The end of next month, we usually record on Sunday nights. And that's what we're doing uh, this month as well. So you've got another, what, four to five weeks to, to jump into the Patreon if you want to join us next time. So talk to you guys again next time. And we'll see you later. Have a good one. plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com.